Hey guys, this is Gary. Thanks for listening to the Let's Talk Soccer podcast. I do this podcast each week with my 12-year-old son, Josh, and we talk about all kinds of cool things related to soccer, and we really get to sort of hear and see soccer through the eyes, especially of a 12-year-old boy. And we talk about everything from professional soccer to youth soccer to organizations that contribute to soccer in a charitable way to the digital worlds of soccer like FIFA and Futhead. So we think we bring something really unique to the table. So we hope you'll listen. We hope you'll share this with your friends. And we definitely want to hear from you. So here's how you can reach us. You can find us on social media through Twitter at Let's Talk Soccer 2. On Facebook, just look for Let's Talk Soccer 2. And in both of those cases, it's the number 2. On Instagram at Let's Talk Soccer. And on YouTube at Let's Talk Soccer. You can always email us also at Let's Talk Soccer 2 at gmail.com. It is Wednesday, August 3rd, 2016, and I'm Gary. I'm Josh. And let's talk soccer. All right, Josh, it has been a week. How have you been? I've been great. How about you? Good, man. We have lots of cool stuff to talk about, some stuff that we experienced firsthand, and I can't wait to get to that part. So why don't we go ahead and talk about that first. And what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the International Champions Cup, the ICC. And if you're not familiar with it, there's a bunch of huge clubs from Europe um, that come over here and as part of sort of their summer training, they go on these world tours. And this is a cup that is set up um, and brings these major, major soccer brands to the U.S. and other countries. But most importantly for us here in the U.S., that they do come to the U.S. And we get to see the likes of Manchester United, Liverpool, Barcelona, Bayern Munich, teams like that. And it's pretty awesome. So, And the cool thing, too, is that a lot of the big-name players do play in these matches, which I think makes it, makes it extra special. So <clears throat> let's go ahead through a few scores here. And we have um, the first match we're going to talk about is PSG... And Leicester City, PSG winning big, 4-0 over City. So PSG are really coming out very strong in this tournament. They are. And I know that, you know, it's interesting. When you're a fan of a team, if it's preseason and they lose, then you say, well, it's just preseason and it doesn't really matter. If they win, you know, decisively or win big or win against a team they're not supposed to win against, then you're like... This is going to be the best year ever. So, mm-hmm. you know, whichever, you know, whatever the result is, you sort of, uh, you change your your sentiment around it and the way that you think around it. So, you know, I guess if you're a Leicester City fan, maybe this score means nothing or maybe it means something. You know, yeah. especially since they're going to be playing in Champions League this coming season, you know, they are going to face teams like PSG. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. definitely. Interesting there. All right. Next match is Liverpool with a 2-0 win over AC Milan. I don't find this big of, very big of a surprise. No. Let, Milan are just bad, in my opinion. Uh, and Liverpool are showing just a bit of hope for this coming up season. Not too much competition. No. But if they can get some decisive victories against these teams, it's only going to help them. Yep. Absolutely. And the match that we were at, and our third and final one we'll talk about, is Inter and Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich winning big 4-1. 
mainly because of a hat trick by Julian Green. He scores all three goals in the first 35 minutes. Crazy, because it's so nice to see an American get a hat trick. And the question is, why isn't he getting a look from Klinsman to get on the USMNT? Yeah, I don't understand it. And, you know, when uh, we are in a drought for goals and the U.S. needs as much help as it can get, I don't understand. You know, Julian Green sort of hit the height of awareness around um, World Cup time two years ago Mm -hmm. and had the first minute he was on the pitch for the U.S. scores a goal, Mm -hmm. uh, which was huge, and then just sort of disappeared. But I'll tell you, he looked good. We were at this match in Charlotte, and he looked good. Yeah, really great. And he was one of the people, only people on the team that showed serious passion. And it made it look, and he looked like he wanted to kill it. He did. Um, and he moved well. He's small or smaller than most of the other players out there, but he didn't let that get in his way. I mean, he had a hat trick, and all three of his goals <clears throat> were really, really nice goals. Yeah. Some of the assists, a couple of the assists were quite nice too, but you know, he had to work hard for those. Those were not give-me's, and Inter started what you would think is close to their starting mm-hmm. 11, <clears throat> and Julian was just cutting through them. With no problem at all. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that uh, for whatever the reason, it I can't imagine it's a performance reason. Maybe Klinsman and um, Green got into it one time or something, but I don't understand why he, why Julian Green isn't a name that's mentioned when we talk about the USMNT. Yeah, like, no offense to mm-hmm. Zardes, I'm going to keep him in this case, but if you're going to play Zardes... I think you should play at least green in that case then. Yeah, absolutely. If for no other reason than just to get Julian some caps and get him some international playing time because as he gets older, he's only going to get better, you would imagine. So why not get him some experience? Yeah, you're playing these people like Pulisic who's so young. Right. And then that's the case with green except he's not as young. So he should be a bit more mature and he should be able to just improve while playing. I agree. All right, so what were your overall impressions of our time in um, Charlotte? Well, it was uh, it was really, really exciting. And when we were at our hotel, mm-hmm. we saw a lot of uh, Bayern fans, yeah. no Inter fans really. Right. And the experience was uh, very, very nice. And it was just, it's so nice to be able to uh, just experience what those, what other fans experience all the time right being able to see the favorite team play yeah. or and just find the atmosphere but when we were at the stadium and the, the match was actually happening it wasn't the most like if we were in germany the crowds would be screaming the whole time and everything Singing, like that chanting right it was sort of silent yeah compared to any other uh uh team in any other country i agree but that still didn't take away how fun it was and how good our seats were as well. We had great seats, uh, you know, especially during warm-ups. We were all the way down on one of the sidelines watching players like David Alaba warm up. You can actually go to our social media accounts and Instagram in particular and check out some of the photos and videos that we took there. So all in all, it was a great time. Charlotte did it right. Uh, Yes, the fan... Uh, participation could have probably been a little bit better, and maybe it will. I think it, had that been a, a Panthers game, 
in the NFL, I think the crowd would have been a lot louder. So hopefully mm-hmm. we can get – and maybe part of it too is that for the most part, none of us there are really diehard Inter or Bayern fans. You may like their style. You may have their jerseys. But you know, unless they're your hometown team or you have some sort of direct tie to them, like people who live in Charlotte have to the Carolina Panthers, mm-hmm. you know, maybe that's part of the reason why. Yeah, because – I mean, like, you're not completely into it. Right, right. Absolutely. All right, let's go ahead then, and um, we will close up the ICC portion, and let's go ahead and move over to summer transfer window. Not a lot of major, you know, um, world-renowned players have been involved in a lot of activity. In fact, the biggest actual transfer that has happened recently, probably since we last posted our last podcast, is that Salah moves officially from Chelsea to Roma. He already was on loan to Roma, but now Roma has made it official buying him from Chelsea. Yeah, that, I think that was great for Roma because Salah wasn't getting any time at Chelsea. I actually never saw him play. Yeah, And him to move to a a smaller club, but a, but it's still a good club. Yep, is really good for a young player who needs playing time. Yeah, and he's a contributor to Roma. He mm-hmm. he starts. There was a match on a couple nights ago. I guess think against Liverpool. I think it was a friendly, maybe or maybe it was an ICC match. But he was right there starting and playing well. Yeah, so that's probably the biggest name that that we would know of that made a transfer this week. Although there were some other ones, just not. As notable, in my opinion. All right, so rumors are almost always better than the actual activity. And here's a couple interesting ones. The first two involve Everton. Everton was offered 65 million pounds by Chelsea for Lukaku. Chelsea's still searching for that, that true striker. Lukaku was with the club once upon a time. Um, you know, is this a wise choice? Well, if you're going to pay a lot, so much money for a striker, I, I don't think Lukaku is a is a clinical striker, a proven striker yet. Yeah, he had a he had a, he had an on and off season last year, and I still don't think if they get if they get Lukaku, I still don't think they have a true striker. I I don't, I don't really feel that Lukaku is still a true striker. Yeah, I can see that. Maybe a little more so than Diego Costa, but mm-hmm. yeah, for that amount of money, you know, um, although. True strikers are in short supply, so maybe that's the best. You know, he's familiar with the club. You know, there's some there's some reasoning behind it, I suppose. But, yeah, that's, that's a lot of money to put forth. So um, that has not been uh, finalized yet, but that is the rumor at least. <clears throat> the next one involving Chelsea is that um, Pep Guardiola, manager of Manchester City, is still very, very intent on signing John Stones, the young defender who currently plays for Everton. Uh, John Stones has lots of well, lots of talent, and I can see how Pep Guardiola could be going after a center back because Man City are have center backs, except they are a bit on the older side. They have company. He he's a great leader. Yeah, is great physically. Is great in the air, except he's injury prone. Yeah, he's very injury prone, and he's getting older. Yeah, and bringing in someone with uh, talent like John Stones would be great for Man City because 
they're obviously this is going to be one of their years that they'll be making a push for the title yes. as they should every year. Absolutely. But and if you get a center back like John Stones in and you give him playing time and play him correctly, he could be deadly in the defense. Yeah, and you know, you need a deep a deep bench too just for the fact that you're playing, you know, you're playing domestic tournaments, you're playing European, you know, you're playing Champions League, so you need you need strong players who may not play and start every single match but can come off the bench or can start depending on, you know, other players that need rest and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So, but you know, um, it sure seems like Everton has decided to be one of those clubs, and we've talked about this in the past. You either decide to be a club that retains talent from within to grow them into great players, and you go out and purchase and acquire great talent all in hopes of becoming a team that will challenge for titles, or you become a club that grows talent and sells it off and you just become more of a profit center and a business than An actual club. a competitive sports team. And it seems like that is sort of the direction that Everton is taking mm-hmm. right now. <clears throat> All right. And then, of course, the last transfer rumor involves Paul Pogba. Still hasn't been signed, although all indications point that he will go to Manchester United, even to the extent that he has supposedly had a medical for the team. But right now, Pogba's in the U.S. He's been spotted in Miami. He was in Los Angeles, I think now, or at least recently. He's in New York. And he keeps doing, giving these little hints that something is brewing and something will be announced soon. Um, if you watch his or look at his Instagram account, and we reposted this too, so you can go to at Let's Talk Soccer on Instagram and check it out. But it's a photo of Pogba, and it's in all black and white, except things in the picture that were red are highlighted. So only the red pops out. And is that just a little subtle hint of Manchester Red, of becoming a red devil? I think he also autographed um, a... Man U jersey. It was his jersey uh, or his name and number on a Man U jersey, and he signed it. So, you know, of course, this fan probably had that made. It's not that, you know, if you go to Man U's online shop that they're selling these jerseys, but why would he sign it if, you know, something's going Mm -hmm. on here? Definitely. So that'll be interesting to see. And of course, that will be by far the biggest signing. Yeah. Of the summer and maybe ever. Mm-hmm, probably. You know, if you look at it. All right. So as more transfer stuff comes up, we will certainly keep everyone updated. Um, and all of our social media accounts are the best place to go for those sorts of things. All right. Next up, I found this article online. And you can go to skybet.com to check it out. Um, but it is the odds the the bet makers odds for who will win the 2016-2017 Premier League title so i figured we can go through this and if you have some comments or thoughts you know go ahead and and chime in as you want um so the favorite at 9 to 4 odds to win it is my manchester city hopefully we can add some booze into this little <laughs> commentary but um I would have to agree with that. I honestly would have to agree with that. I I think Man City 
by the way, they're they're making some transfers. Uh, not the strongest, but more like squad depth players. Yeah, right. I think that's a great point. You know, now of course that could all change with the signing of a Paul Pogba at Man U, or it can even. Uh, Increase the odds, make the odds more in Man City's favor if they were to sign someone like Aubameyang that they've mm-hmm. been talking about, or maybe even a John Stones or someone like that. So right on the heels of Man City is the aforementioned Manchester United at 3-1 to one odds. Those are pretty solid odds. Yeah. I'd take those. Yeah, those are. Um, Man, City, um, Man U are looking very strong this season. Definitely one of the clubs that made the biggest transfers in the Premier League. And by the way their squad's shaping up, they have a really strong spine. They yeah. have De Gea, yep. they yep. have Smalling, and then if they get a Pogba, that'll complete oh, it because yeah. they have an Ebra up top yep. and then the Pogba in the middle. But um, uh, I will also agree with this. Uh, Man U uh, didn't have the best of seasons last year, uh-huh. but uh, that was sort of – they would. I think they would have definitely qualified for Champions League if it wasn't for that – Almost luck in Leicester. Yeah, yeah. Because Leicester would probably finish sort of mid-table, but and they they would probably get pushed up to fourth or third. And man, you got a the second half of their season was was pretty good. Yeah, it was. They had even though they had a lot of youngsters who barely played ever, mm-hmm. they were able to still get points and still uh, compete for that top four yep. spot, even yep. though they didn't get it. Um, in third place, according to these betting odds, at five to one is Chelsea. So, if you look at the first three, Man City, Man U, and Chelsea, what do they all have in common? They all have brand new, big-name managers. Yes, they do. And I would bet, no pun intended, that part of the reason that these teams are listed in the top three is because of that as well. Yes, definitely. These these guys are proven winners. Mm -hmm. Chelsea, terrible season last year. We all know the story about that. But uh, if Chelsea can... Play up to what they what they played at in the 2014-15 season when they won the league. They'll definitely be a strong contender for winning yeah. the league. And also with the new manager Conte in, um, maybe he'll bring the Italian kind of style to their team. Yep, and I'm sure he will bring a lot of attacking and just a lot of attacking and defending into their yep. team. Yep. All right, in fourth uh, position here at six to one odds is Arsenal. You know. Um, what do you say about Arsenal? Uh, if they win, I'll be surprised. Um, you know, if they come in second place, I won't be surprised because that sort of seems to be a place <laughs> they sort of like to hang out. So yeah. um, we'll see what happens with Arsenal. All right. Liverpool expected to finish quite high. They have 8-1 to one odds to win the league. That could be – I think I actually agree with that, to be honest, because uh, that wasn't – last year was not fully Jurgen Klopp's team. Uh, Brendan Rodgers started the season off, got sacked like a quarter way through or something like that. But I think if Jurgen Klopp was able to take over Liverpool at the start of the season, yeah, they'll be able to do a lot better because he gets to play the way he wants to play and they'll have time to adapt to that. And, I mean, Brendan Rodgers put them so far down yeah. that Klopp was just working his way up the whole time. I think so. And, um, you know, I think that... Liverpool could be not a surprise, I won't say, but you know, could make a really strong run. I think that um, they're not expected to win the league, but I could see them, you know, finishing top mm-hmm. four at least and maybe making a run for the title. 
So speaking of making a run for a title, a team that that was very close at one point to winning the title is Spurs, and they are listed, I guess, sixth here at ten to one odds. So the odds get a little bit deeper against them. And, you know, to my knowledge, they haven't made any significant super acquisitions over the summer. So I don't know what their strategy is. Maybe they're happy with the way things are and they don't need anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, you think that they came so close that they would make these little improvements here and there that could help them win this time around. But we shall see. All right, quite a big jump down now. So 10 to 1 is where Spurs were. In seventh ranking here are this past season's champions, Leicester City, at 28 to 1. I honestly, I agree with that because, I mean, getting rid of Conte is basically getting rid of um, getting rid of your engine of your team. Yeah. I, I said this quote a while back in the podcast, but this was about Claude McAuley. And Zidane said... Why uh, put another paint, put more paint on your Ferrari when you've lost its engine? Right. And I agree with that. That's sort of what, like, Lester is. And they obviously had the fairy tale kind of season last year. Right. Um, but I don't think they're going to get that luck again. Yeah. Seeing that the teams are seriously reacting to this yeah. and getting what they need. I agree. And, you know... Um, you know, if you're a Leicester City fan, you probably hate this, but, you know, these are just somebody's predictions. These mm-hmm. don't mean – this doesn't mean this is how this is going to happen. So it's just um, – it just creates for a nice conversation. Yeah. All right. Next down the line, and we'll sort of just maybe cruise through the rest of these guys. West Ham at 80 to 1. Everton at 100 to 1. And, of course, if they keep losing players like Kukaku and Stones, that – the odds of that are going to get even worse. $10 million to one. Yeah. Uh, Southampton at 200 to one. Stoke at 750 to one. Crystal Palace also at 750 to one. Swansea at 1,000 to one. West Brom at 1,000 to one. Bournemouth at 1,000 to one. Sunderland, Watford, Burnley, and Middlesbrough in that order all at 1,000 to one. And Hull at 1,500 to 1. So, um, you know, I think that the order is legitimate. I don't know that the odds are, and I certainly don't think that this is exactly how teams will finish. But right now I could see that sort of, you know, even that top two, maybe three, you could Mm -hmm. probably switch any of those guys around. Yeah. And, uh, you know, still be pretty accurate. So, um, but that's pretty cool. If you want to check it out, you can go to skybet.com and check that out. Let's go ahead then. And you had team camp last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you play U13 soccer. You play for the elite level club or team in your club. And you guys had team camp, which I thought went quite well. Your coach is trying to get a sense of what's what and who's who. And, um, as we've discussed on this podcast several times, not only are you doing a lot of physical training away from your team's training pitch, you're doing a lot of individual training with a coach, you're doing workouts, strength building stuff at home, but you're also focusing on this mental aspect of your game. So we mentioned a book that we had read that's all about 
building the mental side, strengthening the mental element of your game, and it's called Soccer Tough. And there's a part two to this book that we just began. It's Soccer Tough 2. And we just started it yesterday, so we don't have a whole lot to report except that, you know, I think that while, at least from what I can see, while Soccer Tough, the first book was geared towards sort of bigger, broader concepts, this book seems to be getting down into really how do I personalize this stuff Mm -hmm. for me? What does better – so one of the things we read yesterday is what does better look like for me? Can you define it? Can you describe it? What does it look like? How does it feel? Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be a lot of introspection. So looking within to assess yourself and be a critic of yourself and not in a negative way but in a way that pushes you. You know, How can I – each time I train, get a little bit better. Even if it's the smallest bit. Smallest amount. How can I get better? What do I need to work on? Um, not only what do I need to work on, but how – if I have identified something, if I say that my uh, passing needs to be better, what do I do about that? What are some very tangible, measurable things that I can do? So I'm really intrigued um, to continue to read this book, and we'll certainly report more back. Yep. When we know. But one thing that we sort of adapted from reading these books is um, some in game or on the pitch reminders to you. And that has come in the form of we've been writing words on your arms. Like, you know, if you look in the NFL um, at a quarterback's wrist, he has this little wristband that has all of his plays just so he doesn't have to remember everything. Mm-hmm. Um, for you, um, it's on the inside of your forearm and you write. Little words that remind you just to make sure you don't uh, get complacent out on the field. You, in the midst of everything that's going on, don't forget what makes you the great player that you are. So we put words like pace and uh, physical and what else? Attack and uh, talk. Things that make you successful. So communicating, being the first to the ball as a striker, looking to shoot first versus passing first. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, always moving, even in practice at match speed, uh, the way you practice is the way you play. You know, we've heard that concept a thousand times. So, you know, reminding you, you know, even if you all, even if you don't really look down at your arm, just the, the act of doing that, I think, you know, sort of, um, sends these messages that that you need to deliver on these things in your mm-hmm. training and in your playing. And then on the other, you know, as we read this book, it said, you know, try to identify yourself. How would you describe, what kind of animal would you describe um, your playing as? So mm-hmm. we picked a cheetah. It's fast, strong, powerful, um, always on the hunt, always attacking, you know, so I think that was a good, so on, so we write sort of those buzzwords, those one, you know, one line words on your left arm and then down your right forearm, we write cheetah. So it yeah. reminds you to do that. And then you envision those things. You imagine those things in your mind playing like that, you know, playing like a cheetah. What does that look like? It's graceful and smooth and free flowing and powerful. So I think those are kind of cool things. Um, you know, for other kids to maybe try. Yeah, definitely. It, it really helps you sort of visualize you doing that. And 
it, it's sort of just a reminder to help you, and it really helped me as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like it. I think it's kind of cool. Okay, so uh, as we do every week, we cover a an organization that has a charitable component to it, or maybe it's exclusively dedicated to charity and to serving others, and is also soccer related. So the charity this week is called Peace Passers. And if you go to peacepassers.org, you can check them out. Um, But what they are essentially is they take used soccer equipment, boots, balls, goals, you know, jerseys, uniforms, you name it. And they take it and they repurpose it and give it to people who can't afford their own, who need it. A lot of, you know, underserved communities and kids and, you know, um, places that are hit harder um, economically and stuff. So they do a lot of work here in the U.S. They do a lot of work around the world. But I think it's a pretty noble thing because certainly you even look at just your soccer cleats. Um, As a kid, you grow out of – you probably use at least – two pairs of boots a year as you're growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they certainly don't get that much wear and tear on them, you know, in a 12 month span. So, you know, to be able to give those to someone who can get a lot of use and be very appreciative of those, I think is really cool. So, you know, if you're interested, check out peacepassers.org for more information. All right. In our last segment, we always go digital. So today, I'm going to go ahead and talk about the app that we're really digging this week. And then Josh will take us through some really cool improvements for FIFA 17. So some stuff yeah, to get us excited about when that comes out. So first up, the app that we're really digging this week is called Fantasy Premier League. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It is fantasy soccer just like fantasy football and it's specific to the premier league so you start out with a hundred million pounds and you go out and you buy a team um you know you get your starting 11 and i think you have like five players on the bench Mm -hmm. something like that and one of them has to be a goalie and you can you can vary your formation but you have as much money you have a hundred million and you can max it out if you want and decide what players you want and then each week you get points for your players. So you get points for starts, for minutes played, for goals scored, assists made, uh, clean sheets, saves, different things like that. You also get points deducted for yellow or red cards and own goals. Goals conceded. Goals conceded, missed penalty kicks, things like that. You can also elect a captain, and with the captain, you get double points. So you make sure that you know you pick someone who maybe scores a lot of goals, and you get double the points there. And you also have a vice captain. So if for some reason the captain, his team isn't playing that week or he doesn't start, then it defaults to the vice captain, and then that player gets the double points. But it's really cool, and you can make transfers. Transfers cost you some points, but you can make transfers throughout the season, um, you know, to mix your team up and stuff. But it's a really cool, fun way to follow the games a little more closely and just have a little fun with it. Josh and I have an account there, and it's a ton of fun. So the latest, the 2016-17 season version is not out yet, um, but when it is, you know, keep checking or we will announce it. But it's a lot of fun, and it should be out soon because the season begins uh, not too long from now. So definitely check it out and 
it is a ton of fun. All right, Josh, we're going to go ahead and turn it over to you and talk some FIFA 17. So what we'll do is there's there's a few different elements that have been improved. So we'll go through each element, and you can sort of talk about it. So why don't you take it? Okay, so from the set piece – so firstly, there's a set piece rewrite. They were supposedly inspired by James Rodriguez. And um, and basically, they're improving free kicks So and all these other kind of things. So firstly, they have direct free kicks. So you can customize your run-up when you're taking a free kick. A free kick. So if you don't like how you're standing, you can you can um, you can move your player, and you can also uh, you can make it so you hit the ball the way you want with like outside of the foot or laces or curl. So any other way that you can do that. And then also there's a new corner kind of there's new corner kicks. So uh, there's they've made a new targeting system where you can sort of pick out your teammates and it's with um, it sort of changes the way that you're that you can deliver the pass to your teammates and it makes it a lot easier to sort of aim your aim your uh, aim the place where the ball will go okay and then also there are new penalty kicks cool so these new penalty kicks allow you to run freely when you go up to the ball so you, so it's not it doesn't the computer doesn't um doesn't control the player's run-up. You actually do it with your stick. Yes, you awesome. do. Awesome. Okay. So it's really, really helpful to let you do what you want to do when you're going to take yeah, a penalty. Yeah, you can sort of customize it a bit. Mm-hmm. And then you can also now control your throw-ins better. Oh, that's awesome. I know that this year throw-ins are terrible, and they the aim is terrible. So now you can, you can even do fake throws, and you can sort of put off the person when you're going to throw it and then throw it to another person. That's so awesome. they've really improved all set pieces. Very cool. Okay, what's up next? They've also created a new active intelligence system. Uh-huh. So this makes it so your teammates are always running to space and also creating chances for teammates. This was, been, this was inspired by Marco Royce, the cover star, and I'll get into the features now. Okay. So there is... So they've now made it so when, you're, when your players... Have the ball. Your teammates know where to run when to make the through ball. Yep. Give you to, enough space. Yeah, create space for your teammates. Yeah. And make it so your players literally don't run into each other. <laughs> that happens all the time. Yeah, it sure does. They've also made new run types. So the players are now smarter. They're more realistic. And they have more uh, knowledge when running off the ball to make fake runs, stunt runs, and they will support their teammates by calling for the ball and other stuff like that. So sort of a more organized, orchestrated sort of run system. It yeah, pretty like. much. Okay. What is the third main element here? So inspired by Hazard is the physical play overhaul. So pretty much this is – this basically changed all physical for the game. So things like uh, – defending the ball, pushing on people, anything physical that actually happens in a match. Yeah, so they've created new pushback techniques. Well, pushback tech, they call it. Uh-huh. So pushback tech uh, basically makes it so, let's say you have the ball at your feet. You, they made it so you can protect the ball and push off the defender and not let him get the ball. 
I think this is really, really smart, mm-hmm. and it makes the game a lot more realistic. Absolutely. It makes it so... Because you see that all the time, where if a player's in a corner, he'll try and shield the player. Right. I hope this does not become too overpowered, though, yeah. where you can literally just block the guy the whole time. Yeah. I hope they make it a bit realistic, where you can uh, actually get the ball off him still. I kind of like this this next one, because I'm used to seeing, you know... Um, Someone slide tackle and the opposing player does like three flips in the air and lands on his back. And if that happened in real life, he would be dead. Yeah. You know? So I kind of like this next one that's a little more realistic. So it's new physical inter- interactions. So pretty much they made it realistic when, for example, there's a collision with mm-hmm. a goalie. Uh, there's a crossbody tackles, 50-50 battles. Uh-huh. They made all of these things realistic so you can... Um, it's not so realistic where they do 18 flips in the air right. and basically die. Yes. And then they get up two seconds later and I'm like, I'm good. Right. And then also they have 360 shield dribble. So you, when you're, uh, you can fend off opponents and keep the possession when you have the ball at your feet. So it's really cool. And I like these, how much they go into detail with these things. Yeah, absolutely. To make it, I mean, each, each version gets more and more lifelike. And then also, uh, inspired by Martial, is the new attacking technique. So this is exciting for me because I'm an attacker. Yes, you are. And I like to see how FIFA brings it to, like, real life. Cool. Okay, so let's see. So they've created a driven finish. You'd never really be able to drive the ball. But now they are creating that where even from goal kicks, you can do a driven pass to your teammates where mm-hmm. someone like uh, Schmeichel or De Gea, who can really start an attack, actually yeah. start it. Yeah, I like that. They've also had threaded through passes. So you can make curve passes, and they're also more precise. Right. I remember that this year passing, passing is a really big issue. Mm-hmm. And I hope it's more improved now with these new things they're adding. Yeah, every pass is just flat and straight, mm-hmm. and there's no touch on it really at all and they've also added downwards headers so all the headers you use in previous games are they just go up and that's more of a defensive header i would say where you get it away but now you can with the downwards headers they can go down and since the goalies are so big they can you can sort of put them down and it's harder for them to get there and you can also play it to your teammates feet yes a lot better yeah Absolutely. I like it. Those are, I think, some really cool enhancements. All right, guys, that is going to wrap up this week's episode of Let's Talk Soccer. To remind you, and we want to hear from you guys, what you like, what you don't like, questions, comments, suggestions, all that sort of stuff, you can find us in these ways. On Twitter, at Let's Talk Soccer 2, that is the number 2. On Facebook, just search for Let's Talk Soccer 2. Instagram, we're at Let's Talk Soccer. On YouTube, just search for Let's Talk Soccer. And you can always email us at Let's Talk Soccer 2 at gmail.com. For those of you that listen to this podcast, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you. We love that we get new listeners from all around the world each week. It's really, really cool for us. Please... Subscribe to the podcast so you can just get the automatic downloads each week. That's helpful. And also, please tell a friend about it. You know, if you're Mm -hmm. a soccer fan, let 
your friends that are other soccer fans know. We would we would greatly appreciate that. So, until next time, as always, we say peace. Peace. Goodbye.